Richard, Sicily, 
Beetlejuice at the theater this week. The, the at, movie? Mm-hmm. At 9.45 at night. I guess it's one of the benefits of being homeschooled. <laughs> and they actually they showed previews, for, which I didn't think they did because of, you know, being the older movie. But they did, and the Taylor Swift movie was one of them. I thought it was going to run screaming from the theater. Can someone please explain to me her appeal? She's basically, I'm going to say, like the millennials. Um, Alas Morissette and Kelly Clark. Like Kelly Clarkson's more than millennials now, actually. So, like. Alanis Morissette, even though she was like Gen X, like my generation, like, you know, listen to her. Well, I. Some like group I was on Facebook was talking about it. I keep seeing this meme that said, you know, Taylor Swift writes whiny songs about her exes. Mm -hmm. Stevie Nicks made her ex play songs about what an asshole he was. Yeah. Step it up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Step, step it up, Taylor. Come on. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, if he if he had if you were Lindsay Buckingham in Fleetwood Mac at that time, then she's singing a song about how much of an ass you are. Mm-hmm. Hey. You're getting I guess when you're making that much money off the song, you know, and stuff, yeah. really, I don't care. Right? You'd be like <laughs> Um, who, who I'm tired of, I've been tired of Katy Perry for years. Still don't understand her appeal. Yeah. You know, it was, um, if I got to hear that damn song fireworks one more time, I'm going to light some off in her house. Yeah. That's what, like, you know, you can't find. And I, I'll go to Missouri and get the up. good kind. Oh yeah. Lily Allen. She was, a, she was like, she came and went in like two seconds. Her. You know, I just... You remember her at all? Who? Lily Allen. No. Yeah, see, she went, she came and went in like... To, yeah. Like, yeah, she had like one good album. That's why I never really like understood like the one hit wonder. There should be like one album wonders too. Right. Well, if he had like one good hit off the album, mm-hmm. I, I keep thinking about that guy in the seventies, Nick Glider. He had "Hot Child in the City." Oh yeah, uh-huh. a great song. Yep. He hit. hit well, seventies were great for one-hit wonders. Disco. Yeah. Unless you're the Village People. Well, yeah. Right. Um. Halloween's over. I'm. I watched people. Well, yesterday at work they were taking down the Halloween deck displays and switching over to Christmas. They had already done that before Christmas, around. It's like, no, we we started. Um, huh? There was a there was an area just on the other side of Halloween where um, like grilling stuff was. Mm-hmm. They moved it all over to one aisle because Christmas is going to take over a huge section. Yeah, so. yeah. But I doubt any of my coworkers listen, so I can say this: I love my hearing aids. They're Bluetooth. I will pump 
music and podcasts and audiobooks through to block out all that noise. Uh -huh. All right, we have we're going to start our we're going to start our um, Thanksgiving cannibal this year. A fine and, tradition. Oh, yes. You know, Phil and I came up with it and it, it's such a good and this was the first, this was the one we kicked it off to, was Jeffrey Dahmer. Because if you're going to do Thanksgiving Cannibal, you might as well start with the best. Of course. And I still love that meme. I was eating five guys before I was famous. Uh -huh. Although five guys burgers are pretty good. I have, there's one here, but it's been... Yeah, it's been a while since I had one too because they're kind of pricey, but they make it. Yeah, really pricey good. and like greasy. Yeah, the fries especially, but God, yeah, you just can't beat a good flat top grill. Uh huh. You know, a good flat flat top iron grill. Get that, get that nice. Oh, I gotta stop talking because I had chili dogs for for dinner, and I know. <laughs> I know the damage that's going to happen. So, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, next time I come out to see you, I'm going to go find a greasy spoon and I'm just going to go and torture my children with it. That'll be fun. Oh, the, the, a greasy spoon can make the best chili that'll last with you for about three days. Okay, let's get into Jack. I, I actually had Jeffrey Dahmer done for a while, but I wanted to earlier this year when there was all the, the hype over him mm -hmm. with with the Netflix yeah. movie. I I want and also I wanted to break him out for Thanksgiving because you know why not? Jeffrey Dahmer was born on May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the good land. Wisconsin, the first of two sons to Lionel Herbert Dahmer. Herbert. Hi, everybody. Mm, look at them boys with them big, muscly arms. Mm. And Marquette, oh, Lionel Herbert, who was a Marquette University chemistry student and later a research chemist, and Joyce Annette Dahmer, a teletype machine instructor. Lionel is of German and Welsh ancestry, and Joyce was of English, Norwegian, and Irish. Hey, between the two of them, they cover most of my uh, genetic makeup. Thanks to Ancestry DNA. Now, some sources report that Dahmer was deprived of attention as an infant. Other sources, however, suggest that he was generally doted on as an infant and toddler by both parents. Although his mother was known to be tense, greedy for both attention and pity, and argumentative with her husband and their neighbors. God, sounds like my ex-girlfriend. As he entered the first grade, Lionel's studies kept him away from home much of the time. When he was home, his wife, 
a hypochondriac who suffered from depression, demand, constant attention, and spent an increasing amount of time in bed. I'm not going to touch that comment. I'm better than that. On one occasion, she attempted suicide using Equinil. Consequently, neither parent devoted much time to the son, who later recollected that from an early age, he felt unsure of the solid solidity of the family, recalling extreme tension and numerous arguments between his parents during his early years. Now, Dahmer had been an energetic and happy child, but became notably subdued after a double hernia surgery shortly before his fourth birthday. Okay, what in the hell was this boy lifting at three to get a double hernia? I mean, uh, is he out there picking up transmissions? Is he, you know, lifting the engine? Yeah, it's like, how's that even possible? Well, Alex was about a month old and he had a hernia operation. What were uh, you making him do? Such a horrible father, making him one month old. <laughs> no, what happened was there was a hole in his in intestinal cavity uh -huh. and his intestines were coming out through it. And he had a, yeah. he had a uh, he had a big lump that Dawn noticed because mm -hmm. he was screaming real bad that day. I mean, more so than children yeah. normally do. And she ran him to the emergency room and he was going in that night for emergency hernia surgery. Oh. Yeah, I had explained to Dana while why mom and Alex were at the hospital. Uh -huh. And I explained and she went Is he oh. being returned? <laughs> she went, okay, dad, and went off and played. So uh -huh. yeah, I took her up the next day after the surgery and he was feeling better. So yeah. But man, what was the kid out there changing tires, you know, <laughs> twisting the lug nut? Yeah. At elementary school, he was regarded as quiet and timid. Well, most kids are in elementary school unless you're like me trying to be uh, evil Knievel. One teacher recollected she detected early signs of abandonment due to his father's absence and his mother's illness, the symptoms of which increased when she became pregnant with the second child. In elementary school, he had a small number of friends. In October 1966, the family moved to Doylestown, Ohio. When she gave, when Joyce gave birth in December, he was allowed to choose the name of his new baby brother. He chose the name David. The same year, Lionel earned his degree and started work as an analytical chemist in nearby Akron, Ohio, which that's that's where the uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Museum is and the Wright Brothers House. From an early age, Dahmer manifested an interest in dead animals. His fascination with dead animals may have begun when, at the age of four, he saw his father removing animal bones from beneath the family home. That would send me screaming in the other direction. Oh, God, yeah. It's, especially if it's like those old porches like I had as a kid. The, the the we had like two pillars on the you know it was a pillared porch the it was open underneath and you could crawl under uh -huh. you find like dead squirrel bones and 
According to Lionel, Dahmer was oddly thrilled by the sound the bones made and became preoccupied with animal bones, which he initially called his fix. He occasionally searched beneath and around the family home for additional bones and explored the bodies of live animals to discover where their bones were located. I think this is like the fifth time I've shaken my head in like this, just this paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's like, uh, oh, Jesus. What's the chart? Where, where is he on the chart? Yeah. In May of 1968, the family moved to Bath Township, Summit County, Ohio. This address was their third in two years and the Dahmer's sixth address since their marriage. The home stood in one and a half acres of woodland with a small hut only a short walk from the house where Dahmer began collecting large insects and the skeletons of small animals such as chipmunks and squirrels. Some of these remains were preserved in jars of formaldehyde and stowed within the hut. Two years later. Formaldehyde? Well, from his dad. Remember all the, the chemist stuff and all? Right, but, you know, my dad was a janitor and he, he didn't bring janitor supplies home. I wasn't trying to buff and wax the the kitchen, well, I think the kitchen floor was carpet, but still. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not out there with a squeegee, uh-huh. you know, doing the windows. Two years later, during a chicken dinner, Dahmer asked Lionel what would happen if the chicken bones were placed in bleach. Lionel, pleased by what he believed to be his son's scientific curiosity, with a bunch of air quotes, how to safely bleach animal bones. Dude, you should have been like, no. No. Yeah. He incorporated those preserving his bone collecting. He also began collecting dead animals, including, oh God, including roadkill, which I already knew, but still just having to read it, which he would dissect and bury beside the hut with the skulls occasionally placed atop makeshift crosses. That's to, to let the other animals know not to mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> Vlad the Impaler stuff going on there. Yeah. It's like, stay away. See like, this trash panda? <laughs> you. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of like when YouTube would be, like, useful to it, because like, could why was he, why was yeah, he? I mean, like, I've known all this stuff, but it's just, I don't know, when you're saying it is about Mike and everything, it's... Why isn't he inside watching Fred Rogers? Yeah. Hello. I mean, he was on at the time, so right. I'd have been and Sesame Street. Uh, I think also. Well, when I came home from kindergarten, this was like seventy-eight. Uh-huh. I would watch reruns of the old Beatles cartoon. Yeah, that's why you're worked. So no, I'm, <laughs> I'm more because of my father. Oh well, yeah, that that it was just the icing on top. Oh. Yeah. Side note here, he blocked me. Oh, yeah, he sent me the message. Yeah. Like, yay, thank you, finally. According to one friend, Dahmer explained to him that he was curious as to how animals fit together. In one instance in 1975, oh, God, Dahmer decapitated the carcass of a dog before nailing the body to a tree. Oh, God, why did I pick this section? And impaling the skull upon a stick and the woodland behind his house. As a prank, quote, he later invited a friend who viewed the display 
complaining he had discovered the remains by chance. Yeah, right. The same year, Lionel taught his son how to preserve animal bones. Oh my god, Lionel. Joyce began increasing her daily consumption of equinol, laxatives, and sleeping pills, further minimizing her tangible contact with her husband and children. Well, yeah, if you're taking laxatives, you're doing a lot of runs to the toilet, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That stuff... That, mm. She was on a liquid diet. Now, from his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen as an outcast. Which most of us are when we get to freshman year, because we don't know how high school works. I'm reminded of that show Freaks and Geeks. Well, about the only good thing that... Um, no, they could have just done away with Seth Rogen right there. Yeah, I never... I My so-called life, that's what I was into. I never watched it, but I've seen... It was more it. for the girls anyway, too. So. Oh, Claire Danes, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. She she was kind of she was kind of cute of emo. It wasn't was really emo. I wasn't. She she wasn't emo, was she? No, there's okay. Yeah, just her. By age fourteen, he he began drinking beer and hard liquor, and daily he was a day drinker. Frequently concealing his liquor inside the jacket he wore to school. He mentioned to one classmate who inquired why he was drinking scotch in the morning in a morning history class that the alcohol he consumed was my medicine. Although largely uncommunicative, in his freshman year, he was seen by staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with average grades. Wait, wait, I think I know the phrase they used on his report cards and progress reports. Does not apply himself. Because you saw that yourself alive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got oh god, I Scott could apply himself better if he'd stop joking around. Scott could apply himself better if he'd stay awake. The joking around one was more common. But yeah, I, I know that line. He was a competitive tennis player and played briefly in the high school band. I'm not going to make the comment. I'm going to be good. When he reached puberty, Dahmer discovered he was gay. Okay, usually happens around then. Give or take. But he didn't tell his parents because they never do. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy, although they never had intercourse. By Dahmer's admission, he began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner in his early to mid-teens, and his masturbatory fantasies gradually evolved into his focusing on chests and torsos. Most guys do it for women, but whatever floats the boat there, buddy. These fantasies gradually became intertwined with dissection. When he was about 16, he conceived a fantasy of rendering unconscious a particular male jogger he found attractive and then making sexual use of his body. On one occasion, he concealed himself in the bushes with a baseball bat 
to lie in wait for this man. However, the jogger did not pass by on that day and saved his life. Dahmer later admitted that this was his first attempt to attack and render an individual submissive to him. Now, Dahmer was seen by his high school peers as a class clown who often staged pranks, which became known as doing a Dahmer. Now, these included bleeding and simulating epileptic seizures or cere cerebral palsy at school and local stores. Occasionally, he would perform these antics for money to purchase alcohol. I just mooned people on a dare. Yeah, all my friends had to say in the car was, a, It's good. I dare you to moon this car. Window down, butt hanging out. Funny. Well, there was an there was an incident involving a bus full of nuns that I can neither confirm nor deny actually happened. By 1977, Dahmer's grades had declined. His parents hired a private tutor with limited success the same year. In an attempt to save their marriage, his parents attended counseling sessions. They continued to quarrel frequently. When Lionel discovered Joyce had engaged in a brief affair in September 1977, they decided to divorce, telling their sons they wished to do so amicably. The process of their divorce soon became increasingly bitter and acrimonious, and Lionel moved out of the house in early 1978, temporarily residing in a motel on North Cleveland, Massillon Road. In May 1978, Dahmer graduated from high school. A few weeks before his graduation, one of his teachers observed Dahmer sitting close to the school parking lot drinking several cans of beer. When the teacher threatened to report the matter, Dahmer informed him he was experiencing a lot of problems at home and that the school's guidance counselor was aware of them. That spring, Joyce, contrary to a court order and without informing Lionel, moved out of the family home with David to live with relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. I believe that's where Jack Dawson's from. Titanic? Titanic. Yeah. yeah. That, was just, that was just on MTV <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, I just had to throw that in. Dahmer had just turned 18 and remained in the family home. Dahmer's parents' divorce was finalized on July 24th of 78. Joyce was awarded custody of her younger son and alimony payments. He committed his first murder in 1978, three weeks after his graduation. On June 18th, Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. He lured Hicks to his house on the pretext of drinking. Hicks, who had been hitchhiking to a rock concert at Chippewa Lake Park, Ohio, agreed to accompany Dahmer to his house under the promise of a few beers with Dahmer as he had the house to himself. According to Dahmer, the sight of the bare-chested Hicks standing at the roadside stirred his sexual feelings, although when Hicks began talking about girls, he knew any sexual passes he made would be rebuffed. After several hours of talking, drinking, and listening to music, Hicks 
wanted to leave, and I didn't want him to leave. Dahmer bludgeoned Hicks with a 10-pound, 4.5-kilogram dumbbell. He later stated he struck Hicks twice from behind with a dumbbell as Hicks sat upon a chair. When he fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, then stripped the clothes from the body before exploring his chest with his hands, then masturbating as he stood above the corpse. Hours later, Dahmer dragged the body to the basement. The following day, Dahmer dissected Hicks' body in his basement. He later buried the remains in his shallow grave in his backyard. Several weeks later, he unearthed the remains and and pared the flesh from the bones. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woodland behind the family home. Hicks' necklace and the knife used to dismember him were thrown from the West Bath Road Bridge in the, the Cuyahoga River. Six weeks after the murder of Hicks, Dahmer's father and his fiancée returned home, where they discovered Dahmer living alone. Yeah, I picture like the, the saddest bachelor pad ever when they walked in. He's probably sitting in the middle of the living room with a six-pack of beer, wearing like a dirty green army jacket, some nasty-looking blue jeans, some scuffed-up <laughs> scuffed up Converse sneakers, just going, Hi, Dad. Didn't know you were home. Jeffrey, this is my fiance. Hello. How are you? Now that August, he enrolled at Ohio State University, hoping to major in business. His sole term at OSU was completely unproductive, largely because of his persistent alcohol abuse. He received failing grades in in intro to anthropology. How do you get a failing grade in intro to anthropology when you like put bones and stuff together since you were in kindergarten, dummy? Yeah. <laughs> Classical civilizations and administrative science. I could have done classical civilizations. Greece, Rome, there. And and some over in China. The only course he was successful at was riflery, having received a B-minus grade. His overall GPA was 0.45 out of 4.0. Woohoo! Hey, go big or go home, man. Uh-huh. On one occasion, Lionel paid a surprise visit to his son, only to find his room strewn with empty liquor bottles. Despite his father having paid in advance for the second term, he dropped out after just three months. A. Stuck to his guns. In January of 79, on his father's urging, he enlisted in the United States Army because the Army and the Marines will basically take anybody. I mean, look at Phil. He was in the Army. Phil Phil flunked the ASFAB so bad, they just basically looked at him and said, your infantry. Okay. He underwent basic training at Fort McClellan. Oh, God, that's the worst name for a base. 
um, George McClellan. God, there, there's not, there's, I can't even say anything good about McClellan. And this base was in Anniston, Alabama, which is a good place for it. Because I'm sure at night when they heard taps, they heard bada bing, 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 bing. So he was there before training as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. He was occasionally reprimanded for intoxication while stationed at Fort Sam Houston. You're in Texas and you're getting busted for, oh, you got to be beyond drunk for that to happen in Texas. Texans love their booze. On one occasion, an instance of insubordination resulted in his entire platoon being punished Earning Dahmer a severe beating from one of it, from his fellow recruits. Yes, they will do that. You screw up. You make them pay for your screw up. They they used to call it a, a sock party. What they would do is they'd wait for you to be in bed. A bunch of them would sneak up, hold down your blankets, and the others would have a bar of soap and a sock and just beat you senseless with it. By the time I got in there, they did away with that practice. That's good. Right. You looked like you wanted to say something about that. No, you seriously, by time, uh, by time I got in, that stuff was done away with. Now, on July 13th, 1979, he was deployed in Baumholder, West Germany, where he served as a combat combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. Try saying that real fast. According to published reports, in his first year of service, he was an average or slightly above average soldier. Owing to his alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated, and in March of 81, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and later discharged from the Army. He received an honorable discharge, and his superiors did not believe that any problems he had in the Army would be applicable to civilian life. Oh, you silly men. If you'd only known. On March 24, 1981, he was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. You kidding, man? I went to, I had an out process in Philadelphia and they gave me a bus ticket. The Navy was cheap. Sent me on Greyhound cross country, man. So he told, he later told police he felt he could not return home to face his father. So he opted to travel to Miami Beach, Florida, both because he was tired of the cold. That's why a lot of us go south and in an attempt to live by his own means. In Florida, he found a job as a delicatessen and rented a room in a nearby motel. He spent most of his salary on booze and was evicted from the motel for non-payment. Dahmer initially spent his evenings on the beach as he continued to work at the sandwich shop until phoning his father and asking to return to Ohio in September of that year. And this is where we're going to... Leave part one of Dahmer for today, folks. Sitting on the beach, 
watching the waves come in, six pack of beer. And just deciding, I'm going to go in the straight now and just let everything just be a fantasy. Except Jerry killed a guy, so I'll just stay with one. Damn. If only. Well, I think I think well, I know there's a prison on the way up to my family's gathering every year in Wisconsin. I think it's the prison he was held at. Easy enough to look up. Yeah, I don't know if it's the one where he got shanked, but it's... Yeah. And... Spoiler like, alert. Wow. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. By this um, point. I think there's a maybe almost two, three decades after a while, you'll have to be saying, spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, you know... I think we should do the world a favor and, you know, find out who the man was who shanked him and put some money on his commissary card. Mm-hmm. Because, I, cause, you know, he deserves to have a cupcake. Not just a cupcake. Give him some hostess cupcakes. Yes. I think he's still a lot of people, actually. Yeah. I, I think he's still in... I think the man was in for life. He's still in prison. He? Right, I think the yeah. man was in uh-huh. for life anyway, so he's like, what's one more? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they looked the other way. You know, I I actually want to believe that there are certain prisoners that if they do, it, it, you know, like the more problematic or noticeable ones, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the guards just kind of like take their time when they're getting roughed up or something. Yeah. And, you know, wait five, ten minutes and then go break it up. So I know guards used to do that back in like the like in the 40s and 50s with some of the, the bigger name guys back then. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's getting roughed up and they're just like, should we go break it up? Mm-hmm. A couple minutes. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, when it came to Dahmer, Wisconsin was just like, okay. Yeah, because it was also still '94, so. Right, and I mean, I don't know what was going on. What was, oh, I was with my ex-wife in '94. I was a freshman in high school. Dana was four years from being born. my child mm-hmm. all right folks we're going to wrap it up you know where to find us spotify apple podcast the fun stuff rate and review join us on facebook and for killers cults and nut jobs i'm scotty j say good night monica good night monica